What's going on, y'all? This is Dennis Smith Jr. checking in to let you know that you're listening to Numbers on the Board with Jeff Skin Wade and Bobby Corrella. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Basketball's back. Basketball is back. Whoop, whoop. We had some fun this weekend. Mavs and the Beijing Ducks. Show those guys what's up. 116 to 63 final score. I'm Bobby Corella, and I'm happy that the Mavs are actually playing games. Joining me is the Dennis to my Luca. That's right. The Dirk to my JJ. The Coastus to my Race Balding. He is Jeff Skin Wade. Ha <laughs> ha ha. Did I? I don't remember. Did Beijing score 25 in the second half? Uh, they scored 21 points in the second half. Fantastic. Seven in the fourth quarter. Just fantastic. Um, man, you they know what? They played well in the first half. I've got to say, Justin Hamilton, had he had himself a game. He had himself a game, and he's he's played a little bit in the NBA. And uh, I thought he moved pretty well and was good around the bucket. Could shoot threes. Hopefully he uh, gets an opportunity to come back through. I'm sure he doesn't want to finish his career in Beijing. Maybe he does. Maybe he loves it. I've never been there. Uh, we have a lot of our fellow Mavs folks who are getting ready to head that way. So. Yeah. Uh, Do, would but, you say that you know more about Beijing or more about Ducks? God, that is absolutely the question of the day. I don't know a damn thing about ducks. Mm. I know a little bit about some animated ducks. Um, I know they're a hockey team, right, for kids? Yep. And uh, uh, a great movie franchise, too. I feel like I know more about Shanghai than Beijing. Really? No. Nah. You, but you've never been? Nah. Never I've never, I don't even think I've ever left this, the North American continent. I mean, except for islands around the North American continent. Never been to Europe. Never been to any of the uh, Asian countries, mm. and uh, I've never been south of Mexico, and I've barely been into Canada, so I've lived a pretty sheltered traveling Dude, we got to get you out there, man. I would love it if there's a sponsor out there that wants to send me all over the world, hit me up. Just travel home with Luca next summer. He's dying for that to happen. Yeah. He is. De- he definitely. By the way, I was just uh, roaming through the halls after the game the other night, and I looked up in the little... Uh, families of players section and his his mother was standing there smiling and I was sitting there thinking he he really is totally 19 years old isn't he <laughs> yeah. he is the most 19 now that's not to say like you we see Wes's mother back there all the time yeah but uh it just struck me as like man that teenager just went out there and played basketball he and Dennis uh for the second straight night streamed Fortnite the other day <laughs> so uh they're having fun playing video games awesome. I'm like man why couldn't I have been an NBA player 10 years ago whenever playing video games was not cool right you know or why can I be 10 years younger being an NBA player now yeah uh the video gaming has caught up with the lifestyle of the NBA person yeah to where all the like uh gaming happens online and everybody in the world and yeah, blah, dude, blah blah they watch anime they watch Dragon Ball Z like I did that stuff in middle school I got made fun of okay so uh I and I know nothing about this world but a guy I work with at the fan Troy Hughes was nominated for breakout voice actor of the of the year in anime really in something yes you know what show well you 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 talk sports and I'll look it up okay well I'm just gonna guess and since we're on the topic of anime and this is a guy Troy's local so I'm gonna assume that he does some work with Funimation Funimation is an animation studio. Uh, they do uh, Dragon Ball Z. They do a few other shows that I don't know because, quite honestly, I don't know much about anime or TV in general. Uh, in fact, I don't even – I see commercials about uh, six months out of the year during you, football and basketball season. You I don't, don't sound you don't sound very educated on this. I was I'm, hoping you are just going to spit all the good good. 
No, no, okay. I'm, I'm spitting all of the bad, bad. Actually. Okay. Bad, bad, not good. Yeah. Uh, I'll find it at some point. Keep rocking. Okay. Well, it's all good. Let's move on. I think. Yeah. I think what matters is that uh, NBA players are nerds now, and I say that endearingly, with all due respect to Luca and Dennis, all of the other Fortnite players in this great league uh, play video games. Video they games do. are good. Oh, oh, I found it. Oh, my God. Breakthrough voice actor of the year, according to something called uh, the 6th Annual BTVA Anime Dub Awards. Okay. Is that a real thing? Yes. All right. They've done so, it five times before, dude. It's legit. Troy Hughes was nominated for the show. Oh, it just said notable roles. I don't know. <laughs> you got to do some reporting. Uh-huh. Come back next week. You got next, it. Next Wednesday, give us the down low. I'll be fully loaded with information on this. Okay. And with Balconis whiskey. That's right. Okay. Oh, my God. Get you some of that Texas single malt. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Skin, it is Wednesday morning right now. Yep. Basketball was a few days ago. The Mavericks are in China. So, we got some time. I guess a few days before they play again. So, let's talk about last weekend's game okay. against the Beijing Ducks. This weekend, it's Philly. Last weekend, the Mavs, uh, they ran up the score a little bit in the second half. We had a good time. That third quarter was fun. So I want to talk about a few things from that game. All right. Mostly and firstly, just kind of stylistically how the Mavs are different. They've changed. Mm -hmm. Um, They were moving the ball a lot. I know in the first quarter it was a little – a little messy. Yeah. It was a little sloppy, but that's to, to be expected. that's to be expected. It's right. September. And Rick right. said that before the game. We're much further along on defense than offense, and that is the case of every team in training camp. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially one that have added two new starters. Mm. And most other teams are still in training camp. I guess, the, you know, the game started. Uh, the Mavs game against Beijing was like the third or fourth preseason game played mm-hmm. by anybody. So, right. like, it, this is an early time of year to be playing basketball. Right. Uh, late September. But, anyway... They tightened it up, had a pretty good second quarter, had a great third quarter, and then the young guys came and cleaned up in the fourth quarter. But uh, macro level, super high level, they were passing a lot. There was, like, no ISO. There was no dribbling. They didn't even take it down to the shot clock, I think, maybe, but once or twice the whole game. They were they were playing fast. Right. They were playing fast, and my favorite little nugget, you know how, like, uh, you'll see something happen out on the court, and you'll think, well, that's what's going on right there. I did not go into the locker room and confirm this, but I'm about 95% sure this is true. This happened in the third quarter. Uh, DeAndre Jordan got the rebound, and Dennis came back for it. And while DeAndre still hold the ball, held the ball, he was sort of like, I don't want to say scolding because that's such a strong word. He was commanding Dennis, dude, you're supposed to take off. Don't come back to me. Like, it's not like uh, – you know, we're pushing the tempo here. I'm DeAndre. I will have the rebound. You need to release because we want to push this tempo. And it was just stood out. It's just a tiny little moment, but it stood out of the overall pervasive mentality of we are going to push this ball, and we are going to push the ball. And Dennis, I've heard Cuban say it. I've heard Rick talk about it. I've heard some of the players talk about it. Dennis needs to be out in front, not only because he's a great open court player but he starts pulling the defense out in different directions that way and if Luca's going to be bringing the ball up for example we need the hard runners to run out in front early because that's going to open up all those those easy shots yeah it doesn't matter who gets the rebound whoever gets the rebound is going to push the ball Luca's first I, basket I saw Dorian pushing it yeah. a couple times yeah which is good yeah no absolutely and so 
Rick has said he's actually had a couple funny sound bites calling ISO ball a ticket to death. He's uh-huh. called it uh, pounding it into the ground. He's he's had a lot of uh, he's pulling no punches when talking about the way the, the Mavs played last year. Right. And this year they're aiming for a complete overhaul, revolutionizing the offense, a lot of movement. So let's go into the numbers, Skin. All right. So last season. The Mavericks dribbled the ball a lot. Rick will tell you that. The players will tell you that. Everybody will tell you that. Uh-huh. They tied for fourth most dribbles per touch in the league at that, two point four. Doesn't that, seem like a lot. It's a lot, but fourth most is a lot. Because what you have to figure in is some people catch the ball and immediately reverse it, and that's zero dribbles. Yep. So that starts pulling the number down, right? Yep. Yeah. And Dennis and JJ were among the league leaders in dribbles per touch. JJ especially, but his dribbles are. I think a little different than the, a lot of other players' dribbles, right? Because yeah. he, you know, he 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 is a purposeful dribbler, and that's good. But He's probing, yeah, yeah. But generally, the the fewer dribbles, the better. So your league leader, your league lowest in dribbles per touch last year was Philly at one point seven. So that's almost that right? an entire dribble. Wow. Yeah. Um, last season, the Mavs tied for sixth in average seconds per touch at three point one. So even if you're not dribbling, if you're just holding the ball. The average Maverick had the ball for 3.1 seconds per touch last season, which is a whole lot. Uh, the league's lowest was Philly at 2.6, so that's an average half second per touch more. That's amazing, and we didn't even have Carmelo on our team. No, no. And when the Mavericks actually passed a lot, but they also held the ball a lot. So you're, I'm passing it to you. You're going to hold it for three seconds and give it back to me. That's three more seconds. All uh-huh. of a sudden, there's only seven seconds left in the shot clock. we got to right. do something. So you want to keep the ball moving, okay? So... The Mavericks solve those problems. They go out, they get a, a rim-running center. They go out and draft or acquire on draft night a guy like Doncic who's going to help play make, help facilitate. Um, so now it's Dennis and Luka. Everyone is kind of comparing Dennis and Luka to Chris Paul and James Harden in Houston. But huh. I, I don't think that that is a, a, an appropriate comparison. Houston is going more ISO. Houston has a lot of seconds per touch, a lot of dribbles per touch. Not a lot of passes. I think the Mavs want to go the opposite direction. Yeah. So they want more passing. They want Luka and Dennis to be the main guys, but they want everybody to be able to facilitate. That's Wes, Finney Smith, Harrison Barnes. Heck, DeAndre even had four assists. So we'll talk about that in a second, too. But they want everybody to, to keep the ball moving. They just want those two guys to kind of be the, the ringleaders. Yeah, and I think there's going to be people going, well, wait a minute. Hold on, though. The highlight that everybody showed was Luka isoing against Justin Hamilton and working him doesn't mean they're not going to isolate at certain times. I mean, Rick, certainly when he sees matchups that are favorable, he wants the player, he wants everybody to spread, and he wants the player to work that matchup. There's nothing wrong with that. But in general, yeah, you want the ball moving and moving, and you want a lot of off-the-ball movement. Um, yeah, that's interesting. The, uh, the, the whole idea, I, I can't remember if I talked about this with you, or with Coop, or follow-up, just had so many basketball conversations over the last week. Did we talk about the idea of Dennis being the leading scorer on this team? Um, I don't believe we did. Who do you think will be the leading scorer on this team? Well, I think it's going to be Dennis. I do, too. Yeah, so I'm curious to see your, your reasons why. That little flurry at the end of the half is why, because I think he's going to get points in bunches, and I think there's going to be a couple bunches a game where he's just straight going off. Um, where he's sort of the quote-unquote featured scorer. And I think, obviously, there's going to be a lot of transition points. 
But there was that stretch. I, I think this is the same thing that we're talking about, where he just kind of realized, oh yeah, I'm faster than everybody else. I'm just gonna go to the rim, see if you can stop me. Yeah, and the highlight everyone's talking about is when he did the splits and kept his dribble alive and then got to the rim. And look, uh, I don't know traditionally how good defensively the Beijing Ducks are. Um, they seem to be pretty together, but then a couple times there's two guys on the ball, and I'm like, they don't mean to be doing this right now. So and yep. it's early for them too. But I looked at or I look at how those points came and – you know, so much of it, we've talked about how our rebounding, the rebounding was so much better. It was. So much better. And and it's, and it's we talk about things that translate. Getting the ball way above the rim and your hands are way higher than everybody else's, that translates to whoever you're playing against. DeAndre's going to clean up the glass. And there's going to be just a lot of secondary offense. I mean, straight transition, right? Fast break points, but also a lot of secondary offense, cross matches. And – where I think it's going to be really hard for teams is Luca pushing the ball because if he is going to be covered by front court players, they're not used to stopping the ball. And so you end up getting in all these cross match worlds. And then I think the Mavericks are going to kill people on cross matches. Yeah. So I, I mean, we're the very first Luca bucket. See ya. And that is such a big boy going coast to coast. I thought he wasn't fast, though, but he just outran the entire team. You know what Harp was talking about? Harp was talking about, you know, some guys are fast, and then some guys are fast with the ball. Yeah. Some guys are both, right? Russ is both. Dennis is both. Uh, Luca's fast with the ball, and I think it's because of his amazing control as well as, I mean, he's so big, and you don't want to put these – lofty expectations on people but that was what magic johnson used to do because magic johnson was so big and strong and compare you know magic johnson's plan and compared to whatever Derek harper he's not quick but with the ball he's fast and strong and he just moves so effortlessly it's hard to get in front of him and so luca is that and i just thought there was a a poetic significance to his first bucket being a coast-to-coast and then burner, you know? Because yep. I think we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah, well, and, like, LeBron is fast with or without the ball. Right. But whenever he gets the ball and gets going, it's like a freight train. Like, it is, you are not stopping him. And yes. Luca is kind of the same way because he's so big that he's even so if, you big. Ca- if you catch up to him, you're not going to stop him without fouling him. Right. He's such a handful to, to cover. Yeah. yeah. Okay, here's the other thing. I want to get into this point about Luca because I've been thinking about this all weekend. Is I've been thinking about Luca all, all <laughs> since last can't, summer. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. But uh, there's this, the you know, we talk about these intangibles, these things that are hard to describe, and they sound like, uh, you know, some sort of cosmic basketball thing where Jason Kidd had it, okay? Jason Kidd would come out here, uh, especially early in his career, and chunk up all these bricks and then make the three-pointer with five seconds to go. And then, obviously, as his career went on, he became a more consistent shooter and on and on, but it was that knack to do whatever had to be done when it had to be done. And then there's these vibes that are created, right? And we're starting to get into this thing, the man, this sounds like real hippie-ish and corny-ish, but I believe in all these things. I believe in these kinds of energies. And I thought the really there, – there's times where I've watched Lucas shoot in the after practice and stuff where I'm going, okay, I think he's an okay shooter. Like, uh, like I don't think he's an exceptional shooter the way we would think of certain guys. But I think, hey, I mean, he's good enough. But in the game, when he hit that three – and then followed it up with the deep bomb, 
that was a vibe. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's the best way to sort of articulate that thing. And I think there's going to be these moments where he just catches a vibe and he's going to be doing these things that seem otherworldly the way Jay Kidd used to do, for example. Uh, and so I wouldn't classify right now Luca as an exceptional shooter, but I think he's a really good shooter, and I think there's going to be sublime moments of shooting. Yeah, when him. you get that rhythm. Yes. And then that's whenever everything else is unlocked because if you have to start picking him up, he shot that from like 29, 30 feet. Yeah, and if you, ha- you have to start – he makes one or two of those and you have to step out on him that's whenever he can beat you right you know he's not going to just blaze past you if you're five feet away from him but if you're stepping out 30 feet from the rim he's going to get by you and you he's going to cross over and make you look dumb and then you know what else i loved it's uh i don't remember exactly play for play but it's in a similar frame from all that other stuff was when he was in a pick and roll with maxi and maxi slipped it and it was a no look pass but it was so effortless for him to throw over the top and we've talked about that with Magic and uh, some of these other bigger guys, LeBron, Ben Simmons. Um, it's just so easy for him to see those things, and then his size allows him to make the play effortlessly. Yeah, because he's six eight jumping, so he's seven eight, and then his hands are above his head, so he's making that pass from nine, almost ten feet above the ground. Okay, I got one more for you. Yeah, the Justin, the block on Justin Hamilton. Yeah. Okay, so people are going to talk, oh, my God, you see him get up and all this stuff. So to me, the key to that play was Justin Hamilton thinking there are no shot blockers on the floor. Mm -hmm. And so when you think there's no shot blockers on the floor and you're the biggest guy and you catch the ball and the guy fronting you is pinned, you immediately shoot the jump hook. And so I don't think – I think Luca's anticipation level – Maybe I'm turning him into some sort of basketball messiah that I shouldn't be, mm-hmm. but I think it was his, I'm going to jump immediately because of my understanding of him not expecting me to be able to go get that shot. That's a little bit different than a quote-unquote leaper or a shot blocker being there. Later in Jason Kidd's career, he was a defensive menace, even though he had lost a step, by anticipating what that player was about to do and beating him to the spot. And I thought that was an example of that higher level of basketball knowledge, knowing I'm going to jump immediately. He's not going to pump fake me. This guy's bigger than me. He thinks he's shooting a jump hook. I'm going to go get his shot. And even if he's not going to be the quickest guy or the best defender in the world, having that as a nice trick, anticipation, just floor awareness, that is what has helped Dirk become, yeah. it, especially in his prime, a, a serviceable to a above average one-on-one defender. His, yeah. Dirk's quick swipe they always counted as blocks. It was more of a steal, but he's got a thousand blocks. Right. You know, no matter what. <laughs> right. Saying. But uh, his swipe, just coming down on guys going up. Yep. Just if if Luca can, you know, creep down and, and block a couple shots. Lonzo's kind of the same way. Lonzo Ball. He just has watching him at UCLA, and he did it a little bit with the Lakers last year. Unfortunately, he was hurt a lot, but he just kind of knows. It was very kid esque. Knows when to just leave his guy alone and and come up, sneak up behind someone to make a steal or or jump a passing lane. Like these are just things where if if you think the game differently on a different level, then you can just make those plays, those savant like plays. Yeah. And uh, and part of it, of part of it is like just knowing your opponent and knowing tendencies. Another part of it is just sort of guessing what a player would do in a situation. Yeah. So revolutionary changes. If that's what the Mavericks are going for, um, it's tough to go from last to first or first to least, whatever you think. But uh, it has been done before. It's been done recently, actually. So um, usually they're enabled by a coaching change. So 2013-14, the Warriors, their last year under Mark Jackson, they averaged the most dribbles per touch in the entire NBA. Uh The most. 
And weren't they also last in the league in sheer volume of passes? Yes. Yeah. And they were most in average seconds per touch. Right. Next season, Steve Kerr comes in. The Warriors go from literally dead last or most dribbles per touch to 29th, to second fewest mm. in one season. Change wow. like that. And the personnel didn't really change that much. No. Draymond became a power forward. He, b- yep. he started. Uh, you had Barnes moving to three. I believe he was coming off the bench for Mark Jackson in 2014. You slide him into the starting lineup, and all of a sudden, boom, you got the balls flying all over the place. And I, I, you probably don't have the information in front of you, but I think they went to number one in sheer number of passes from one season to the next. I would next. assume. I would I assume mean, it was so. just, you're right. It's, and it's, it's philosophical. Same players. Yep. Some changes. And, I mean, they scored a lot uh, in 2014. They, they had an efficient offense, yep. but obviously you just pass the ball a little more, and all of a sudden you're, like, the most unstoppable thing in the right. NBA. You know? Right. Um, okay, so DeAndre, I want to talk about him a little bit. And this is one game. It is one preseason game against a non-NBA team, but DeAndre had four assists. Yes, that's a that's a lot of assists for him. And a lot of it too was these uh, catching the ball, you know, face up, top of the circle, and just seeing cutters. Mm. He had he found Dorian on one that was really nice. Um, and uh, you know, me and Harp and Cooper talking about that on the broadcast. Uh, his first assist, too, was, I believe, an and one to Wesley. I can't remember exactly the details, but, man, he was pumped. Yeah. Pumped. And uh, I think it's uh, – I don't think we're going to see it. We saw a couple isolation uh, post-ups for him. He also and had a 20-foot jumper. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think we're going to see a lot of that, but do remember that when the Mavericks made their initial pitch to DeAndre, they talked about how they would be utilizing him offensively in ways that he wasn't being utilized in L.A. Not that I think – it's going to completely transfer, but I thought about that as he was finding some some post-ISO touches. Yeah, I mean, I think that him just getting the ball 20 feet from the rim is different than he was used in L.A. So, yeah. actually, I had, have some numbers ready for you. Okay, good. That you I like that. that. So, last season, and last season again, Clippers, whirlwind of change, no Chris Paul. They were doing a lot of stuff that they hadn't done before. He ranked tied for 134th in front court touches per game, and he was 66 in minutes. Now – you think front court touches per game, and that's not front court players. That's NBA players. So you think, well, that's going to be guards probably the lead. Well, no, nine of the top 12 in front court touches were guys who were 6'10 and up. Really? Well, actually, 10 if you count Giannis, but Giannis is kind of a point guard, so I don't, I don't count him. Okay. But your tops were Marcus Gasol, uh, Anthony Davis, Carl Towns, Nikola Jokic, Jokic uh, Blake Griffin actually led the league in front court touches per game for like two or three years whenever he was with the Clippers. So – these are guys. These are pivot guys, right? And uh-huh. they were using DeAndre, not really, uh, you know, not at the elbow or not on the post, playing through him, but they were giving it to him at the top of the arc for handoffs to Dennis or to Luca right. to, to initiate a pick and roll. So he had twenty five point six front court touches per game last year. The year before, whenever Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were both in LA, it was twenty four point four. The year before that, it was twenty three point eight. The year before that, it was nineteen point nine. Huh. That's in 2014. He was averaging fewer than 20 touches per game. Wow. And he was playing like 35, 36 minutes. So he just did not touch the ball ever. And unfortunately, Now on a front court touch, are they considering catching a lob a touch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you touch the ball, so it's basically the, the front court to where you're not inbounding. Right. So you touch it in, the, in your half of the floor. Yeah, and if you go in there and you look at uh, shot attempts, for example, and then free throw attempts, you can start eliminating – that because those are shot attempts yeah. and just see how much a guy's just touching the ball to pass it yeah and 
if you're getting 20 touches in a game and you're taking probably eight to ten shots, you're passing the ball ten times a game. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they actually they were, they counted. It. I think it was Tim McMahon who counted it. So DeAndre's first game in Dallas after the whole summer of 2015 thing, he got he had like nine touches that whole game. You know what's crazy about that is I had no idea that McMahon could count. <laughs> that is amazing. When did he learn that? <laughs> I don't know, man. He, he, he studied up. But uh, unfortunately, so NBA actually usually tracks this stuff and it's public, uh-huh. uh, but they, they're not doing it for the preseason for whatever reason. So I don't know how many touches DeAndre had. I, I got to think it was at least 30. I mean, he touched it like almost every possession uh, just yeah. at the top of the arc for a handoff or a pass or whatever. Uh, so I think that alone, even if he gets one post up per game, uh, just getting the ball and having the ball in his hands more often, feeling more involved could just maybe reinvigorate him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and, and to the to the passing end, so he had four assists. He did that just 11 times in his career uh, before. And uh, you don't count preseason as an official game, but 11 games in his career with four assists. The Clippers were 10-1 to 1 in those games, and he averaged 15 points and 16 and a half rebounds in those games. Wow. So – did you uh i'm thinking along as you were talking explain all this and and talking about you know reinvigorated and renewed energy and all this stuff i was thinking about um at the same time that his defensive presence and anchoring that defense and barking out commands and then my mind started to go to wesley who is uh we know what he does defensively what about how much better he looked than at any point last year he is the healthiest i think he's been and uh most athletically sound he's been since the day he got here yeah he looks like he lost a lot of weight he lost eight to ten pounds is what i heard which it you could have fooled me yeah i mean he looks like a a new person yeah he uh he looks fantastic yeah unfortunately he only shot western shot i think one of seven or something in that game but i'm not concerned about his shooting at all yeah yeah not at all but he was he was moving well um he didn't have the ball in his hands a whole lot but when he did he was just kind of like decisive yeah just seemed like the whole team and again it's one game so whatever but every time anybody touched it there was like a purpose to what they were doing yes there there was not Dennis calls it like tricking off seconds where you're just like you're just dribbling to dribble you're just standing there you know everybody was active and engaged and whenever they had the ball they were trying to get to the rim and whenever they didn't have the ball they were trying to get the ball like there was so much movement off the ball Mm -hmm. and um I think that's just kind of contagious. You talk about Luca creating like an energy. I think whenever you get those two guys, Luca and Dennis, doing cool stuff, they're sharing the ball with you. You're getting shots. You're DeAndre. You're touching the ball every time down. Like you're just everybody's just kind of engaged. Yeah. And they're just all into it. Yeah, they're all into it. And keep in mind, you know, I know people are going, "All right, dudes, quit freaking out. It's the Beijing Ducks." I'm like, okay, Harrison Barnes wasn't there. JJ Barea wasn't there. Uh, Dwight Powell wasn't there. Dirk wasn't there. Those are all very significant pieces to this team. So, I mean, I just see so much potential for how good this team can be. Now, I'm not in any way confused by how good the West is. Uh, You know, watching a little Sunday night, Lakers, Denver, if you squeezed any of that in. I mean, there are so many good teams in the West. I get it. I think you can have a very successful year in the West and not make the playoffs. I just anticipate the style in which we are going to play will lead to a lot of successes. The Lakers, by the way, just a quick side tangent. I know you're a, you're a big Lakers believer this yes, year. You're absolutely. very high on them. They're, and that, again, it's just one game, whatever. But, like, they were 
just doing weird stuff. Like, guys are going in weird places. I, I know LeBron has said that he just wants to play now on a team with a bunch of guys who can pass. Uh-huh. And th- they're just not running, like, traditional NBA pick and roll. Like, they're running fast breaks with random guys in random spots. Like, Rondo cut from the top of the arc to the baseline on mm-hmm. one pass and fed. I think it was JaVale for a dunk or mm-hmm. Kuzma or something. Like, they're just doing, like, very uh, uncommon I think, unpredictable things. Yeah, and I think you're not going to really see what they look like for about a month and a half to two months. Uh, and then I think once they kind of lock in, they're going to be really, really tough. I am such a Brandon Ingram fan. Yep. I mean, I love him. I think he's the next big scoring. I don't know what he is. I guess he's a three, whatever you want to call him. I think he's the next big scoring piece in this league. And playing off of LeBron, he is going to – and Lonzo too. I yep. mean, he's going to eat. He's going to be so well-fed. He's going to be the most well-fed skinny guy in the world. He's kind of, uh, I don't know, tell me if this comparison is accurate, but he's kind of like giannis mm-hmm. just lots of length, or like early career Giannis, yep. a lot of length, but he has way more scoring polish than Giannis did whenever you know, he was like 20. Absolutely, not even close. And it was so huge that he played point guard for big stretches when Lonzo was out last year. But, you know, just, I mean, I think he's more skilled than this guy, but the way I see him score and the places he scores – a lot of times it reminds me of the places where Rudy Gay scores. Um, but he's obviously, I think, a better attacker. Mm. Um, I, he, he's just going to shine. There was a, a play last night in the first half where he got a steal and went down, and, and then he, he came back across his body and he finished with his left in traffic. And when it happened, you're like, okay, that's a guy finishing in transition. And then when they re-showed the play, Doris Burke was like, oh, my, that was really difficult. <laughs> like when you saw it a second time, you realized what a skilled play it was to go fast, slow down, change directions, come back up, and then finish with your left. He's, dude, he's going to be so baller. Yeah, so everybody's figuring out. The Lakers are figuring it out. I mean, Denver's tough. Denver, well, yeah. They missed Paul Millsap for so – Paul Millsap plays, you know, 75 to 80 games last year. That's a playoff team. Absolutely. I mean, they missed the playoffs by a play-in game, yeah. basically. With Minnesota. And Millsap missed virtually the entire season. Yeah. Where the hell is – what is – man, Minnesota's a weird scene. Yeah. There's a lot of weird scenes, but a lot of talent. It'll sort itself out. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a wild year. And we don't have to wait long, actually, to play yeah. the Lakers. I think that's uh, Halloween at L.A. Yep. And then uh, go back there right after Thanksgiving. I think they they only make one trip to the American Airlines Center. Yes, only one this year it's for in LeBron. January. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, January 7th, I think. Yeah, you get Saturday, a, I believe. Yeah, you get an early, early, early look at the Lakers this year. Maybe while they're still – they're still probably going to be figuring it out. Um, okay, so you said Harrison Barnes was not in the game last uh, against Beijing the last weekend. He is going to miss the China trip, um, and then he will be reevaluated. I think the the Mavs said reevaluated in seven to ten days, and that was on I want to say like Thursday or Friday. Yeah. So he'll probably be reevaluated sometime here this week um, or this weekend, and then they'll kind of figure out what his timetable is. He's got a right hamstring strain hurt that second third fourth day of yeah he's camp. been gone for a couple of days or yeah, mispracticed yeah he's missing time days. so in his place started dorian finney smith against beijing yep and uh, i assume it'll be the same in china i don't know you know rick usually texts you the starting lineup but oh I'm, yeah I'm he not wants on me that. to know yeah i'm not on that thread yet and you're bound to secrecy yeah uh but i'm assuming that dorian finney smith is going to get the start it's kind of turned into like position battle. Who's going to be your backup three man? Is it going to be Finney? Is it going to be Ryan Brokoff? Mm-hmm. Uh, both played against Beijing and both played pretty well. I thought, thought. so. Uh, but Finney Smith getting the start, I think, is kind of the acknowledgement that um, 
not only he was playing power forward and, and Brokoff isn't really a power forward capable kind of guy, in, in my opinion, but... Um, Wait, who was the power forward? Finney, yeah. Or was it Luca? Or well, I guess it doesn't really matter. I don't know. Right? I mean, I, I'm just, I'm goofing. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. But, well, they actually went to, there was a stretch where Luca was guarding center on defense and Finney Smith was playing center on offense. It was uh-huh. like Finney Smith, Doncic, Brokoff, Dennis, and Wes, I think. That was the lineup where Luca got his block shot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, which is why, I mean, I think that that is a feasible lineup in an NBA game. Finney Smith at the, five defensively, Luca, or well, Luca five defensively, Finney Smith four offensive. Five Dorian offensive. looks like a different person. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't, physically, he resembles the player that was an undrafted uh, rookie that made this team. Game wise, he looks like a completely different player. He looked confident and like and so smooth. Confident. The one that really struck me was the one dribble step into the eighteen foot jumper and knock it down like he's been doing it since he was ten. Mm. That was like, dude, that's not that is a completely different human than was here two years ago. Yep. That was exciting. I think he def- we know he defends and rebounds, but we talked earlier in the podcast when he would get the rebound and push it himself. So the guy who doesn't have confidence immediately throws it to Luca or Dennis. Uh, a couple days ago, Rick said after practice, Dorian is an underrated playmaker. And I thought about that as he got a rebound, dribbled, and it was not too long after Luca did it, dribbled all the way down inside and kicked it out to Maxi for Maxi's second three. That's a play Dorian Finney-Smith does not make his rookie year. And I don't even know what to tell you about last year. What did he play, 20 games? How many games did he play last he year? He didn't play very I think 21, 22, yeah. something like that. So those and are – it was punctuated. It was like eight and then ten. Those are huge strides. Huge strides. Uh, and we've talked about his shot mechanics looking a lot better. I mean, I love the kid. Uh, we talked about this. You know, We had this uh, interview on the Ben and Skin show with Dorian and Dennis and Luca together. Dorian was more outgoing – I mean, than I've ever seen him, confident, having fun. It's just like you just—it's so fun to watch the growth and you water the plant and it grows. And you're like a proud dad. I right just—I love the—I love him. I think he's a great, great dude, yep. and I'm just so happy to watch him shine because I think he's a good NBA player. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I agree with you. I think he's—I was a fan of him whenever he was in college, and I don't know why he went undrafted. Um, I know the Mavericks considered him with that second-round pick. I believe they took Hammonds. Is that the year they took Hammonds? Yeah, the 46 or 47 or something like that. I can't remember. I know that they were strongly considering him there. Yeah. Uh, but then he slipped through, and they, they grabbed him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he made a positive impression on them in the Vegas camp, but especially in training camp. I mean, they were coaches were saying very nice things about him off the away from the media and everything. Yeah. Just, they, they definitely believe in him. So I think that they want him to succeed, obviously, it's his third year in the NBA, and they've stayed patient with him through the injury and, and all that stuff. And they've, by all accounts, every single person you talk to says he is the best shooter in practice, like every day. He never misses. Uh, so it's just about translating that on the floor. But uh, for as it relates to the rotation, right now I would say he's your incumbent uh, backup wing. I think three, so. Three, four spot sure. in, that, in that bench group with Derek yep. Powell, J.J. Devin. Uh, I think Brokoff is the the best his biggest competitor Uh uh-huh um so finney smith you consider him a above average to pretty good perimeter defender right potentially very good perimeter defender he's got the makeup he's got the length quickness anticipation brokoff is an incredible three-point shooter so his last four years in europe across all competitions he shot 44 45 40 49 percent 
that is very good. Absolutely. And uh, usually, if you can shoot over there, you can shoot over here. There's there are not many misses. Uh, so, what is the what does Finney Smith have to do to keep that job? Well, what does Brokoff have to do to take it? Let's I mean, wildly speculate. Okay. Uh, so if Dirk isn't if the ankle isn't ready, game one, do you think they go with Devin and JJ? Obviously. And then do you think they go with uh, – and obviously Dwight. Mm. So then are the next two guys, is it Maxie and Dorian or is it Dorian and Ryan? Ooh. Had you a, thought about that? That's a heck of a lot of We offense. haven't thought about that because we just pencil in Dirk and move on. But, you know, yeah. I don't know. He may be 100% ready. I don't know the yeah. answer. I'm just – They're kind of easing him in throughout this yeah. training camp. Just with the, the I'm just doing this for the fun of talking. Yeah. Because, uh, dude, Max looks great. Dude, he did. So last year – Kind of the big thing with him, he was really good rebounding, became a really good role man as the season went on, really quick feet on defense. But the one thing missing from Maxie's game was a consistent three-point shot. And he okay. talked about how moving the line back one or two feet from Europe is sort of a bigger adjustment on the arc of your shot and everything. But yep. he stepped into a few of them last or against Beijing and was like, Dang. We talked about this on the broadcast, actually, and Hart brought it up because we had talked about it so much during last year's broadcast. The trajectory of his shot. It looks like he adjusted. Yeah. A hundred percent. It looks so much better. He didn't have that flat Chandler Parsons shot. Mm-hmm. It was you know, the, the right looking shot. So, I mean, and I know if uh, I know Saul is a huge listener of this podcast going, bros, what about me? This is a deep team and there's a lot of competition, man. Yeah. I, I feel really good about our depth. Yeah. Really good about our depth. And- but if I were to guess, I would say opening night, if Dirk can't go, I think Max will be in his stead. Wow, that's a hot take. And I think I think, uh, I think Dorian will be your wing, and mm. you know, hey, you can never have enough wings, and you can never have enough shooting. And Brokoff just happens to be a wing who can shoot. Yep. And uh, Rick does appreciate his defense too. And yeah. I, I think Brokoff is a pretty good defender. The word is gritty. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Gritty. Uh, but I think there's some there's some substance there. Gritty's more of a style. I think he can actually play just like man. You think of a year ago, and this is real, you know, sort of philosophical here. A year ago on this team, you had, I want to say, three players who were taller than 6'4 and shorter than 6'10. You had Barnes, Finney Smith, Kyle Collinsworth for a little while, Jalen Jones for like a second. Yep. Although I'm not even sure he's 6'6. He might be a little shorter, but they were up and down. They were two-way guys. It doesn't really count. And then you had McDermott. That's it. Now, coming into this camp... You still have Barnes. You still have Finney Smith. You've added Brokoff. You've added Luka freaking Doncic. Yep. Uh, all of a sudden, you have some You have some wings. Yes, you absolutely. You have a lot of wings that you can all play together. Yep. You can play Finney Smith at center if you need to. You can play Doncic at four or three or two. They have switchability. They have versatility. They have a lot of shooting. And I'm just really excited, man. Isn't it funny that right before, like, the end of last week, it seems like Rick was getting ornery and like, hey, everybody, can we stop overhyping everything? Yep. Okay, and this is a couple weeks after Rick said, man, if you don't get your season tickets now. So he settled (laughs) into, all right, and then I think the Beijing – it's the Beijing Ducks, but then I think everybody way overreacted and freaked out again. But it's – the optimism's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And – I, I just can't wait to get this thing going. And, dude, we are two weeks from the NBA season tipping off. Yeah. You ready for that, it's, homie? It's coming fast. It's coming and fast. And these games in China, normally you think of, like, international exhibition games as just 
put the starters out there for five minutes, wave to the fans, and then go sit down. But these games are going to mean a lot. There's only four preseason games. Yeah. Total. Yeah. So and I they think have, they're going to treat them like they're legit. Yeah, because they play the fifth, so they play Friday, and then they play Monday. And then they come home immediately after that game. So they're going to land in Dallas. I don't even know how the time difference in travel works, but they're basically going to land, I think, in the middle of the night on the ninth. So you take the ninth off, 10th, probably off as well. 11th, you're practicing. And then the 12th, you have a, your last preseason game. And that's your last chance. So if you're like, if you're the 18th man on this roster and you're trying to make it, that's your last chance. Right. If you're the if you're Dorian Finney-Smith and you're trying to seal the deal against Brokoff, that's your last chance. Like these games are going to matter for all of those guys. And because uh, like you said, man, we're two weeks away from the games actually counting. Yep. And there's only three games left to get ready for it. And, dude, the way the schedule starts, a lot of things can change, but you want – we've talked about this. you got to get off to a good start. And the first four games seem more, quote, unquote, winnable than the four after it. Now, I think with this team, we're going to look at all the games as being winnable. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at games differently this year than we did last year. But just projected caliber of opponent, boy, get off to that good first start in those first four games because the next four, there's a little less margin for error. Yeah, and it could be tough, man. I mean, like you said, Dirk, and, and who knows with Harrison, hopefully that – I mean, I, Rick described his injury as a tweak, so I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be too tough. But, I mean, you know. Hey, not that Harrison Barnes pulls me aside and confides in me, but he was very optimistic yeah. on Saturday when okay. I saw him at the game. Well, that's good. Well, yeah. I know he does pull you aside. and conf- You don't have to lie about it. We're we're best friends, probably. Okay. Uh, his wife is incredibly jealous of the yeah. relationship <laughs> yeah. me and Harrison have. No, uh, uh, but he's been here for a while now, and so yeah. we, we know him. Uh, but and he's I, a tough guy, too. I mean, yeah. he usually doesn't miss games. And I think I think if it was an NBA game, a uh, regular season game, I think Dwight would have played Saturday night. Yeah. So. Well, and J.J., too, probably. Probably. I mean, because yep. cause Rick said that's like a day-to-day thing. Yeah. But it just so happened that it was the day-to-day was like the day before the game. Right, right. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, so, I mean, you, you know, who knows who's going to be healthy on that first game in Phoenix. For Phoenix, they're going to be – uh, down Devin Booker, I would say almost certainly, unless Coop, it's like a uh, Coop super said, quick. Coop said Saturday that he, that's the that's the the timeline right there. Yeah, it's like he could be back on that day, ready mm. to go. So if we'll things see. are perfect. Yeah, but even then, it's like, well, you just sat out for a few weeks. Now it's only a hand injury, right, with him. So he yes. could, he could still stay in NBA shape. Sure, but uh, but yeah, that's going to be a big game because if you if you win that game, you're feeling great as Minnesota comes in here, and who knows what Minnesota's doing, and right. then all of a sudden maybe you're. 2-0 and, oh and right. feeling great. and But, you know, it could go the other way as well. Let's say I'd like for Minnesota to trade Jimmy Butler on uh, the day before our home opener Oct so that 19th. there's confusion. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'd be great. That's the best way to do it. But that's all going to happen in two weeks. In the meantime, these Philadelphia games, uh, it feels weird to look ahead to a preseason game. But like we were talking about, I think both of these teams are going to treat them like a real NBA game yep. at least for three quarters, maybe more. Uh, so your big matchups – Two of the top point guards last year's class, Dennis and Markel Fultz. Uh, Luka Doncic and Ben Simmons, pretty much two of your future uh, unicorn wings, yep. if you want to call them that. Yep. Um, it's funny, man. We were talking and about. And of course, DeAndre and Joel Embiid. Yeah. We were talking about, man, oh, my God. Uh, Luka is so big. And it's like, man, Ben Simmons is bigger. He's like two or three inches taller than Luka. giant. And he is quicker than most point guards. He is a giant Australian. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. You know, I can't wait to see Markel Fultz try to shoot that shot in a game. Did you see the footage going around of his quote-unquote reconstructed shot? Mm-mm. It's like 
If it's if what I saw was legit, it looked like my release point when I was a seventh grader. Like, dude, he's shooting. Is it way down low? It's low, man. Really? I don't know how that. But there, he was he was making shots. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, God, man, that is. Did you see? Did you watch them their first game at all? I didn't see it. I saw the highlight where Ben Simmons like threw it off the glass to himself to Fultz, which was pretty sweet. But uh-huh. uh, I didn't I didn't see Fultz take any jump shots. But maybe maybe it's fine. I just I'm, I'm reacting. Off yeah, I mean, and the good whatever. thing with him too is he's like six six playing point guard. So yeah. even if he does shoot a little low, it, he should be okay. I mean, I hope so. He was so good in college, he and, was and him and Dennis are real tight too. Yeah. So or I guess I don't know. Maybe they. They're they're aware of each other and have hung out in the past. Right, uh, maybe okay. they're not best friends, but uh, but yeah. So that should be a good game, man. And and you talk about like people are are bagging on Luca. I feel like he's gonna have to score like fifty in a game in order for people to say yeah he could score against NBA players. But you talk about one extreme to the other, Beijing Ducks to being guarded by Ben Simmons. It's gonna be a tough task, but I think uh, it's gonna. I'm excited to see how Luca handles. Being guarded by Simmons, who really, really is a, a pretty good defender. Oh yeah, Lucas just or Covington or any of those guys. Lucas just gonna score whenever he needs to, dude. Uh, Rick was talking about this before the game, and it took me back to when people were comparing Luca to Steve Nash, which was a weird comparison. Mm. But the point was, Nelly used to find Steve Nash if he didn't take at least ten shots in a game, because Nelly's like, you have to be a threat to score for this to work. Uh, Rick said before the game Saturday. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, we may end up having to coax this guy to shoot, because his inclination is to pass the ball. So that's. I think that's a fascinating aspect. A guy who clearly could score. Eh, he ain't really looking to score. Yeah, yeah, it matters, and I'll do it when I need to. He simply will do what needs to be done at the time it needs to be done. That's the player he is. Yeah. One of the good thing is in the starting lineup when it's fully intact, West can give you twelve to fifteen. DeAndre gives you ten to twelve. Dennis is going to give you 15, 18 at least. Yeah. And uh, Barnes is going to score however Barnes kind of much Barnes going to score, he, dude. He's going to have wide open his, looks. He's going to get his 18 and 6 and, you know, go home and continue being a robot. Yep. So, Luka doesn't have to go score 20. No. But, um, yeah. Do you I mean, think Luka leads this team in assists? I don't know. So, we, we actually had uh, our uh, this new podcast we're doing, The Ceiling is the Roof, with me and Mike. We had Followell on, and the question what was – a great name. Yeah. <laughs> And the question was, who's going to lead the team in assists? And I think it's going to be Dennis. Uh, I, th- I think Mark said Dennis, and Mike is the is the Luca believer. He thinks did it's going to be Luca. Did you guys break out my theory from four podcasts ago or whenever it was that we'll have three guys average five assists? No. Okay. So I kind of like I alluded to that uh-huh. because I think I said JJ. JJ was your leader last year at I forget what he got like five point six or yeah. six point one something that like that. Right. I, and I believe it was the most he's ever had in a season. Right. Yeah. Average-wise? I think so yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't think he's going to have really any drop-off because I don't see his minutes going down that much. I think his his games might go down, but uh-huh. I think his minutes are going to – he was like 22. I don't right. see him playing much less than that. So I think J.J. will stay. I think Dennis will stay or get better by a little bit. He was like 5.2 or uh-huh. 4.9 or something, and then you bring in Luca. So it's, right. a, it's a bold proclamation, but, dude, they're moving the ball. Luca yeah. only had, what, I think two or three against Beijing, but he didn't play a whole lot, and – um, some guys missed some shots on right. his pad. I mean, the, the opportunities are going to be there. Right. He also might be your league leader in hockey assists, too. I could see that happening. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And last year, for the Mavs, they were bottom half in assists, but they were – I have this written down somewhere, Skin. They uh, were tied for sixth in hockey assists per game, ah. even though they were they were like 18th or 19th in assists. So, 
They move the ball, man. They move the ball. It's good times. It is. Oh my gosh, it is good times. What do, What do you got going on this weekend? Okay, so I'm going to, to I'm at? going to Denver this weekend. Okay. Uh, and I think it's gonna snow there. We're me and my wife are gonna go see a concert at Red Rocks. So we will either have someone sit in for me next week, or I will scramble. Are you in. gone for a long time? I'm gone Saturday through Tuesday. Oh, wow. so we got to figure something out. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can have Followell sit in for me. Okay, I'm sure he'd like that. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so either we will move the podcast back a day, or you will do one without me. Either way, it'll be outstanding. I don't want to do one without you. So. Oh, you're such a lovely man. How about Bobby. you just stay after this? We could just record another one. Man, what a great idea. I'm going to blow off my radio show. The Mavs won both games in China easy. They won by 50 both times. Let's just predict. Yeah, no big deal. Coming up next, our prediction of stuff that will happen after the time you hear it will have already happened. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Skin, I appreciate you being here with me, man. Good to be here. Um, Like I said, you are the Luca to my Dennis or the Dennis to my Luca, whichever one you want to be. I guess we can work that out over the next 10 or so years. Yep. We're in no hurry. No hurry. Uh, It is numbers on the boards. We will be back next week on some day with somebody. You'll just have to find out. See you guys then.